Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books are just for school, where book clubs are just for women, and beer makes us lose track of time. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, and starting with a beer. Oh, fuck, that was, that was a frothy one. That one got all over, all over your shirt. <laughs> it did. I, it like I, I took a money shot there. This is called Spaced in Time. It is a double dry hop, double India pale ale from Finback. It's 8.3% alcohol, and it is dry hopped with Citra, Blanc, Azaka, Mosaic, and Amarillo. That is a really lovely dry, uh, double dry hopped, double IPA. Thank you, Finback, for still making the weekly trip I make there worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so The Time Machine is a pretty damn famous novel, or novella, it's really short, that was published in 1895 by H.G. Wells. We've done a couple of his books at this point. We did War of the Worlds. We've done Invisible Man, The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now this one, and as uh, Nate pointed out in one of them, War of the Worlds was his biology book. Uh, what was it? Invisible Man, would you say it was his... Uh, chemistry, chemistry book. It was his chemistry book, and this is his... Physics book. Shit, physics book, yeah. And it's outdated like the others because he wrote it way before we actually invented time machines. So all the stuff he says <laughs> yeah. is inaccurate, but he had the right idea. The time <laughs> machines we have today are way more advanced than the t- yeah. ones they had back then. They're not quartz-powered. Quartz and ivory. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the book starts off, we have a um, meeting of, like, learned gentlemen. And no one has a fucking name. Yeah, they're all, like, the tall guy or Except the very young man. Philby. That's the only person with a name. <laughs> well, does this, the, the main character, does he have a he, name? He never has a name. He's the, he's the time traveler. Or yeah. yeah. All That's caps. referred to. And... Uh, He's he's pontificating about time and how his brilliance. Most of it is exactly what you think, but the very beginning, he's recounting a lecture about the nature of space time and about how space actually has four dimensions. The fourth dimension being dimension being time, and he is in fact a hundred percent right about this. And twenty years after this book was published. Albert Einstein published his uh, first paper on general relativity, which actually showed that gravity is the warping of space-time in the fourth dimension. So, like, he was, like, so good at, like, actually saying the real science for this, like, very first, like, page or two when he's talking about the nature of math. And then the rest of the book gets pretty dumb. (laughs) This part was boring. The rest, the rest of it was dumb. But he was entirely correct. Very up to date. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it takes he takes way longer to explain it than is necessary. In a book that's like a hundred pages, I felt like a quarter of them were this lecture, and then guys like jolly good, mm-hmm, I do say another brandy, mm, and like they just keep old listening. sport. Yeah, old sport. <laughs> Not your buddy, old sport. Yeah, the first three chapters of the book is a discussion, and like the book, the story begins at chapter four. He also does the stupidest experiment ever. He's like, see this little thing here? It's a tiny time machine I made, and it took me years to make it, and I'm going to show you that it works. And he just kind of turns it on, and it disappears. Like, that went somewhere in time. We don't know where, but you know, now you know I'm right. Now, like, wow, Proof. that was... Uh, maybe? Okay. Yeah, that's not literally the basis for every magic trick ever. <laughs> Making a physical thing disappear. Nothing up my sleeve. You know, <laughs> couldn't possibly be it. But now that he's done that, he built a tiny one. So he's going to build a big one because he's got proof of concept. 
<laughs> this is proof of concept from McKellar San Diego. This is a West Coast style IPA, six and a half percent. I'm gonna guess that this is gonna taste like that. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a very long time. This was back when every IPA tasted like this, and I hated IPAs. And uh, I don't hate this because it's been so long, but it's not really my thing. It is very it's 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 not like overwhelmingly bitter, but it is bitter, and it is a straight up West Coast IPA. But they're this on the West McKellar Coast. SD? So. Yeah, this is yeah. McKellar SD. They're usually a lot better than the NYC one. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you like West Coast ones, you will like this one. It's not my thing, but I'm going to keep drinking it because, yeah, why not? He paid for it. Not true. Patrons paid for it. I paid That's for this right. one. <laughs> we should say that, that that beer is paid for our pals, paid for by our pals at Patreon, who are people who are just cooler than most of you, unfortunately. And they... Uh, have headed over to Drunk Guys... Uh, page, what the fuck is that? Patreon.com <laughs> slash Drunk Guys Book Club. <laughs> like you've only exchange, had a little bit of beer so far. I, that you know of. And in exchange <laughs> for a little bit of money, uh, they help keep the, the lights on at the Drunk Guys Book Club. And I mean light in my fridge when I open it and look at all the beers that I have to purchase. And they get things like early access to our episodes, get to vote in our monthly book poll, uh, get exclusive content, including our read-along uh, series, I don't know when this one's coming out. We might still be reading Don Quixote, but probably not. We're on to other things. Bigger windows. This is uh, this exists outside of time and space for us. So That's true. we haven't. We've tell. both started, haven't even thought about it, and finished it. So take that, science. Space is saddle shaped. Apparently, I've read that somewhere. <laughs> no, it might be. Might be because the space saddle fits on top of the giant turtle that hurls oh, through right. space. Oh, right, riding the turtle and comes in at the end of it. No, well, actually, it's <laughs> no. There's Something. a turtle. But actually, on top of the turtle are four elephants, and they hold up the disc world. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, but under the turtle uh, is another turtle. It's turtles all the way down. Fuck it. What the hell are we talking about? So <laughs> head over there if you want to give us some money and get some cool stuff that you can listen to, and even some physical things. Like, I'm right now drinking out of my Drunk Guys Book Club uh, pint glass, the officially uh, you know licensed swag that we, we get my patrons. And, uh, and it's make I think I think Jimmy didn't like his beer at first because it wasn't in this glass. When he pours it into the glass, it's gonna taste better. It's better. It's, it's how it Way works. That's that's just as scientific as what happens in the rest of this book. <laughs> so the time traveler proves that he could you know travel through time by hiding a matchbox car in his sleeve, <laughs> and then he then they and there's a uh, they they keep having these like gentleman meetings, and the next day he comes in and he's like. Beat the fuck up, right? It's, it's like yeah, mm-hmm. he's like his feet. He's, he has no shoes, and his feet are bloody. It's like he sturdy. came out of the bathroom in Ace Ventura, and he's like, "Do not go in there." <laughs> <laughs> but instead, everyone is like, "Good God, sir, what happened?" And there's like, this "I can't," he, and he like, and he can't speak, you know. And he's like, "Oh, wine, bring me wine." Yeah, I, I know. I could only tell you after I have a full three course meal. <laughs> I need a whole mutton. Bring me that mutton. Bring me that mutton and more (laughs) wine. And then he goes, I shall tell... I I have traveled in time, sirs. I have seen the most wondrous things. And someone's like, oh, my God. And the newspaper editor is there. He's like, I will pay 10 pounds per word. No, it's like a shilling per word for that news story. He's like, I will tell you. But no interrupting. I would not (laughs) want to be interrupted, which, by the way... No follow-up questions. Yeah, no, definitely not. 
Don't question me. <laughs> this definitely happened. <laughs> I need to write an entire book with quotation marks at the beginning of every paragraph. Yeah, it was really... This is not the first book we've read that does that, but it's really annoying. It was like an interview to Vampire did the same thing. The most of the... So the rest of the book, or like pretty much until maybe the last chapter, is just the time traveler telling telling his story. It's not like the other people who he's speaking to are interjecting or asking questions because he told them not to. I think... I think what happened is H.G. Wells actually just had this part written as like a short story version almost and was just like, I need, I don't want to, I don't want to rewrite it. So we'll just tell everybody else not to interrupt. And that's, that's what I think happened. But I don't it's know very possible. True. Like all these books at the, from this time could not exist without a frame for some fucking reason. Yeah. So anyway, he, he says, and then he starts to tell the story about how he like figured out through experiments, his how to build a time machine that through the use of handles could go <laughs> back and back and forward through time through the cunning use of handles. And quartz, because quartz is in watches, therefore it also powers time machines, I think was the that logic. Almost kind of makes sense. I mean, the, quartz, the, the, water, the, the quartz keeps yeah. time, so it must be able to bend time as well. Quartz weren't actually going to be used for watches until like uh, probably another 50 years, but no, 40 he something are, he, years. He predicted that one as well then. Fuck. Actually, he kind of did. Well, <laughs> he was sort of onto something using quartz for a timepiece, but basically, you know, but I don't think it had indiglo, so it probably wasn't that great. Nothing? I, I don't know. Don't remember? Don't you, know. you guys didn't have a watch with Indiglo when you were a teenager? Okay. Well, I was a teenager a lot longer ago, I guess. Did, did you have one of those watches with a calculator on it, Nate? Were you that cool? It did not have a calculator. It just had the <laughs> really... They, the really never mind. We'll you just, had a, we'll you had a, you had a sundial on yours, didn't you? Yeah, that's all I had at first. <laughs> but then I upgraded it to a quartz watch with Indiglo. Nate can only tell time based on the church bells in the town <laughs> square. <laughs> Is it like with a face? The face would light up in the dark. One of those kind of yeah. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had a watch like that, but I did not know what like, the trademarked ter- name for it was. Well, Indiglo was, was pretty good. I don't think I had that. No relation to the Indiglo Girls, which is a, a really, really niche cover band. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he go. He tells his story, and it is. It's a doozy, and um. I had it a beer. Definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about his machine, and he kind of just. Uh, just well, he does. Oh, fuck. The machine is either really traveling in time, or it's just full of peyote. <laughs> <laughs> either one is thing. just about as possible. He was just running around in the attic, getting dusty. <laughs> I went to the year eight hundred thousand, guys. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can so this, I have some of that too? <laughs> so this beer is called Impact Wrench because he must have used some tools while making this time machine. Absolutely, he did. This is from Industrial Arts, and actually Industrial Revolution is important, and we'll get to that later. This is a triple IPA, that's 10% alcohol, and it says, with notes of dank and dense jungle, <laughs> which, I don't know if I ever wanted to drink jungle, you know? Jungle juice. Think, like jungle rot or something. <laughs> like Trench really foot. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is part of their yeah. wrench series. There's a few of them. We've had a bunch. We've yeah. had a... Mm-hmm. I think it's called Impact because it's the strongest one. Oh, yeah. We've had Wrench. That's the regular one. Then there's like Pocket Wrench or something like that as the session. Something like that. And there's a double one. They are located in Garnerville, New York, which is like middle of fucking nowhere, as is, sorry, anywhere that's not New York City <laughs> in New York State. Some are on like, the edge of nowhere. 
Yeah, right. If you go to Buffalo. <laughs> uh, but uh, they, if you live in New York, as of, as of the time of recording this, you could order for delivery. So go go at it. Uh, it's it's really it's quite nice. Very, very uh, sweet. Um, you know, kind of a... Wrench is... The original Wrench was my favorite beer for a while. It was uh, damn good. Was a, it was, yeah, I bought a, I bought a quarter barrel keg of it, which is uh, seven and three quarters gallons. And that was... That was a fun weekend. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> you had it in a weekend, dude. I, that's fun. no, it wasn't a weekend. It was like it was less. It was much less than it should have been for any responsible father and husband. <laughs> finished it. <laughs> Working professional. Jesus, I aspire Human to greatness. Being. <laughs> uh, person with a functioning liver. Well, previously, I I know, you know, knock well, on wood. Well, clearly it functions. Well, it's like a sieve now. <laughs> it just. Things just go right through <laughs> into my my bloody stool in the morning. <laughs> so yeah, so he made it, he must have used some tools to make his stupid time machine, which I'm imagining like uh, a Model T, like basically, or or like a sled, <laughs> like something really like a horseless carriage, something really basic. It was that thing in South Park when they decided flying was too inconvenient, and so they sit on that uh, thing where it puts a, the dildo in their butt, and they have to operate it with their <laughs> mouths, and it's like a big circle. <laughs> Because it's still not as bad as flying, but he's like he sits in this little thing on the little the little tiny chair and works the levers to go through time, and that's that's what it looked like in my head. And it does sort of form a a, a sort of orb around him as he travels. But it's the the dumbest thing about the time machine is that it can't change its location, so you can't like fly around to different parts of the world. Like he could just see the ex- that exact spot in london you better hope that yeah. no one builds mm-hmm. a wall right there eventually exactly but he's or kind a of highway <laughs> <laughs> he, he's protected as the, as it's traveling for whatever reason even though that kind of isn't what he isn't how it should work is it don't don't question it too much that's yeah it, he's caught in really. a time bubble the point is what he sees in the future is the kind of the main thing so he he like sits down on the thing and then like cranks the handles and uh, basically starts moving forward through time. He sees like his maid walking extremely quickly and then realizes, you know, oh, time is moving quickly. So he like cranks the thing. He can like see the, his house just kind of like disappear and then it like turns into a forest or a garden or something like that. And then he just somehow There's jumps like other forward. City, other buildings like kind of like rise and fall. Cause he, that's, yeah. he gets to the point where he's going like a year a second or something like that. So he's just faster. Cause, time. Cause he actually, even a year a second that would take a really long time to get all the way to 802,000 AD or whatever. 807,000? Like 802,701. Or some dumb shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if that's like a prime number or something, but uh, now that I think about it, I'm not smart enough to figure out if it is, though. So um, I could just look it up, but I'm still not smart enough to do that. No, so anyway. He just pulled the number straight out of his ass. And he's like, all of a sudden, it's like, so okay, now he's clearly really, really far in the future. And it's like there are some kind of rundown buildings. And then some, like, random, like, really, like, short people that seem, but just seem, like, pretty cool, you know, and they seem pretty relaxed, and they just kind of, like, slay around all day and eat fruit, and I have a beer for that. This is called The Way Life Should Be. Oh, fuck, you kidding me? I have the same one. You do? Yeah. (laughs) Like this? 
I didn't. Oh, it's I didn't fine. literally put no, it whatever. on the list till this morning. No, we'll both just drink it then. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Whatever what, by we do, gentlemen. Orono, Orono Brewing, a six percent alcohol by volume, Maine uh, by volume, Maine. Good people, beautiful wilderness, great beer, the way life should be. Juicy IPA brewed with Maine grown grains, triple dry hopped with massive amounts of Galaxy Mosaic, Citra El Dorado, and Vic Secret. This is also part of my quest to um, find a low alcohol, high flavor IPA. Did you say triple dry hopped? Triple. That's what it says. Dry yeah. hopped, but it's only six percent. If this doesn't meet your criteria, Jimmy, I don't. I don't know if it's possible. I'm using my a triple I'm dry hopped six percent special cup for the first time. It smells amazing. It definitely has flavor. It definitely sure. does. Yeah. It's it's quite piney. Down, huh? It's quite piney. Well, there's pictures of trees on the front, so it is very piney. Down. Yeah. Though it says juicy, but and perhaps it is. It looks awfully cloudy, Drew Glass. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's hazy. But hazy, yes. I wouldn't. I would say this is bitterer than I expected it to be. Yeah, me too. Hmm. Guess it's not the way it should be. <laughs> well, I mean, the way life should be is you know you expect it to be good, but you're just bitter about it. That's the way life is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on my quest. Though, I mean, I, I, heard, I, see, I saw a triple dry hop, and I thought, fuck me, this has got to be the one. But it just kind of tastes like a West Coast, almost. Yeah, yeah. Part of it it's could be bad. the type no, of hops that are fine. used. It definitely has flavor. Yes, definitely it has a lot of it flavor. Has, it has it a lot of flavor. It's only 6%. So are you really what you're looking for is like a single IPA that tastes like a double dry hop, double IPA. Is that really what, in New England, that style? Would you say you're really looking for ultimate beats but like half the alcohol it doesn't have to be ultimate beats that would be that'd be too much to ask for because that would just be called smooth beats (laughs) yeah (laughs) all these like double ibas where they're like nine or ten percent booze and they taste great they're awesome but then there's the ones all the rest where they're like six or five where like beers used to be and they just for some reason like they use the same flavors but there's just not as much and i don't understand why i can't imagine how the alcohol makes it taste s- different because liquor has a lot of alcohol and it tastes like gasoline. So I just don't understand. I'm sure there's a science reason, but my understanding of science is about as good as H.G. Wells's understanding of science. So, so it's right every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I guess something it's like dead wrong. dead on once in every, uh, by accident. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll have to ask next time we go to a brewery, you know, if that ever gets to happen again. Yep. So anyway, he, uh, the dude, the time traveler, he can't speak the language of these people, but they seem pretty cool. He figures out, he's starting to learn it a little bit. He figures out that they're called the Eloi. Is that how you pronounce I was going to ask how you pronounce that word. I think so. Eloi is it's like an old Bible word, so. He does the thing that happens in a lot of these like old-timey books where the guy's like, I, meant, I landed amongst their people and I managed to learn their language in six and a half minutes. Well, he doesn't learn their name until so like the end of the book. And for most of it, he doesn't learn He's language. He's only with them for a week. Yeah. Uh, he learns, he le- they, they have one of those like exposition chap- uh, paragraphs where it's like, and by the way, I learned what these guys are called and what these guys are called, but he doesn't say how. But like their language, he says basically all these little like fat fruit eating baby men are I was picturing hobbit hippies. I feel yeah, like hobbits are like cherubs or something. Like those those that shirt with like the w- little angels with like the big head and eyes that girls wore in the 90s and early 2000s. Like those kind Steve of things. Madden dolls. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But they their language is basically just super dumbed down and they don't have they don't talk about high concepts cuz everyone's fucking stupid 
because it lays about eating fruit. Just shitting horribly, I'm sure. If you ate nothing but fruit you all day, die. it killed Steve bad. Jobs. Yeah, with cancer <laughs> had nothing to do with it. No, it was his all fruit <laughs> diet or whatever the fuck. It's because he was putting, like, he tried to treat his, you know, cancer with crystals and fucking coffee enemas or some bullshit, some new age nonsense. Uh, so their language is kind of dumb. It's just like little, like, eat and like the word for fruit. And they don't really have high concept stuff. And they clearly don't really have much in terms of technology. They don't have any. They don't, they're just, but they seem to live pretty happy, carefree lives. And, just and also, their thing. They're, they're living in these giant, like, former palaces that are in disrepair. And, and I like how his criteria is like, it's really dusty. <laughs> That's how he knows they didn't it's build old. this. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. dusty. Look at the curtains have dust on them. It's like, as if after, you know... 10,000 years, that's what's going to, that's like the worst that's going to happen to this building with no repair. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, After that's like what's, hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah, hundreds I mean, of thousands. Yeah, because it's not really clear when Things the ended. world ended, so to speak, you know, when civilization yeah. regressed. But it's been a really long time, enough for them to have no understanding. It's not like it just happened. They have no understanding or concern. But they're just living in the ruins of the of a past glorious civilization or something. The time traveler is being like you know an amateur anthropologist and uh, trying to figure out like what's going on. And his first belief, his first thought, is that the Eloi they progressed civilization so far <laughs> that they no longer have conflict. They no longer have like problems. So everybody just got weak and stupid because they didn't need to like do anything. That's how that and would that, work, and that's what, and that's how it happened. And that's how they got that way. He has a few theories. He keeps, at least you know, to his credit, he he revises the theories when he gets more data. He does. That yes. is a big step. That's hard, a it's hard to do, actually. <laughs> if you have your, um, you know, a lot of people's like, oh, well, you, you just try to bend the new data to fit your existing theory. But he he just like, all right, fuck that. Also, I don't really care. He's, <laughs> though he does pick up a, like a side piece of, and her name. Is, is amazing. Wiener, <laughs> because it's the one word he teaches her, <laughs> and she's from, and she's from Boston. <laughs> yeah, Wiener. Like, I know you eating. I know you eat a lot of fruit, but <laughs> but also when he arrives there, we forgot to mention that he walks away from his machine, but he takes the levers and he goes back, and the machine's gone. So he's just like, I need to find my machine. And everybody's like, fruit. He's like, no, <laughs> the fucking machine, dude. Like fruit. Like no. Where's the thing? I'm like, yeah, fruit. <laughs> I, I like to think him taking the levers is the equivalent of. Remember in uh, like the '90s, people would take just like the faceplate of their car stereo out. Oh yeah. So you couldn't steal the whole yeah. <laughs> stereo out of your car. They would just take like the front piece would yeah. detach. And people that's would walk around with, his, with it. That's yeah. what he does with his time machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget that. Not only were cars kind of not invented yet, but people didn't like have a key to start their car, and you know you could you wouldn't you didn't secure your car by taking your key with you. So like the, this is this is the equivalent. He's like, oh shit, I can't leave the keys in the car, can't leave the handles on my time machine, and so that he just walks away with them. In my head, I imagined when he put in the time machine that these were like quite this large levers. This is more like levers, taking the like, steering wheel yeah. off your car and taking it with you, though. It's like putting the club on and then taking the wheel off with the club on it. Like now I'm safe. <laughs> I'd like to think that his time machine needed one of those like cranks in the front of the car to get it going. Like he had to like pour a bunch of water into the engine to and then just oh, do a yeah. propeller thing. I, it's very possible. 
there's there's literally no information in the book about how it works, what it does. Uh, it's it just, works through levers. He just had a bunch <laughs> of it's like a, a bunch of gears and uh, and, and a the knowledge seat. that space time has four dimensions. That's no further explanation. Yep, and he just and he built two. <laughs> Built one a really tiny. little one. <laughs> why would you need to make a tiny one? Why not? Why not make a like a rec- that can't He wasn't going to waste your time making a big one. It's. It, I would imagine the hardest components of a time machine are not like the seat. <laughs> so what is? Like, you had to make all the same like engine components of whatever. But make them it. really small. That's actually harder, not easier. Yeah, right. It's like a miniaturist. <laughs> I made it a tiny one inside of a glass bottle. <laughs> Some sort of hobbyist. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. A hobbyist time traveler. I'm going to travel to a time when I'm not a virgin, hopefully. And that's why he finds Wiener. Oh, yeah. And they're all small, right? I got the vibe that they were small. Yeah, they're, 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 they're like hobbits. They're yeah, like, he like petite, carries her around. They're, they're, they're like children. That's, that's kind of what he goes to a lot. They're like children. So I wasn't sure if that meant, you know toddler or like 10 year old i'm not really sure what he meant he's by children but they're little and dirty little loincloth wearing things who just sleep in like piles in <laughs> inside of these buildings when he when he finds out what her name was i wrote this down it's amazing then i tried talk and found out her name was he he meets her because she's drowning and flowing down a river and everybody's looking at her like oh whatever fuck her because they just <laughs> don't fruit. give a shit yeah it's not fruit and I tried talking and found that her name was Weena, which, though I don't know what it meant, somehow seemed appropriate enough. It's like, is it? It's not very appropriate to me. So he's, uh, you know, he ends up going down underneath the world to like look for his time machine. Because well, all he the, sees that there's like, they dragged it eight feet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where's my time machine, damn it? And then <laughs> they and it's like, it oh, wait. eight feet into the building shaped like a sphinx. And there's a, I oh, wonder wait. where it could be. <laughs> Look at my time. There's where my time machine tracks end at this building. <laughs> like, how could that happen? And the 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 dumb fruit babies are all scared to go out at night because there's bad things, and they're like, "Oh, uh, no fruit or something." I don't know. And so he <laughs> crawls down into the underworld part, and he finds it's just a well, right? That's what I. It looked like a big, like a big plinko board. With like stuff sticking out of it because <laughs> the creatures <laughs> that live down there cl- climb their way up, but the spikes aren't very big because they're small. Oh, I picture just like a lat a really long ladder or something. No, I thought it was like a bunch of bars sticking out of the thing, but it doesn't really matter because it's dumb. And he gets yeah. down there, and then there's spooky monsters down there, and they are all running machines, and they have big eyes, and they're mean, and their machines do basically nothing. <laughs> They just yeah, I don't really sure what make they're... a lot of noise and steam. <laughs> it's like, it's it's very like the kind hot of machines in a music video from the 1980s, like for a metal band, <laughs> and they're just in those factories, and it's just like sparks and smoke. <laughs> like, what's happening in this foundry? <laughs> that you need like eight metalhead guys hanging out here. That's what their their place looks like. And he finds out their name from the the Eloys or whatever the hell they're called, and they're the Morlocks. What a creative name! <laughs> it took Warlock. And turn didn't even switch letters. He just turned one letter upside down. And he's like, genius. His first thing was, you know, probably like big wizards. But he's like, no, that doesn't that doesn't flow. Uh, ah, More wizards. <laughs> uh, so clearly there is this other race of 
people-like creatures that has been living underground for many, many generations because they are extremely pale and have extremely big eyes and they are, they're mean. They're definitely mean, but they're very the apish. time traveler, the time traveler can s- still has the upper hand because he has matches. He has like, I, I remember reading this, like how many fucking matches yeah. did he have? He has well, like, he found a second box in the museum. Eventually he runs out of matches, but for like two chapters, he is just burning through them. Literally. Like just throwing, like, yeah, yeah, he is. He's just lighting <laughs> matches to scare the little people, to impress the little people, to co- convince Weena it's time for some anal, whatever it is. He keeps like pulling out matches and throwing them around like it's a rap, like rap video when they have cash. <laughs> He's, he had a and he thousand had one book billion. of matches. <laughs> Both matches. Yeah. <laughs> And then he finds another book in this museum that was built in like 1898. Like it's right after he and left. And it's still basically. there. It's and been it's there the for 800,000 years. Case. There's a book of matches. Like <laughs> the place has been looted and destroyed, but they're like, you know, that one book of matches there, that's nothing. And, and it still, still is good. It's they're totally like brand new. <laughs> And they're like, they must be like, the, what are the uh, Lucifer matches? What are those ones you could just light on any surface? He just has these strike anywhere matches. Yeah, which aren't those illegal? I think you can't. I don't think you, I remember hearing that. It might be like a myth sort of thing. I have no idea. Well, they're definitely more dangerous. So I guess a yeah. match that would ignite any time it touched something would be dangerous. Yeah. But I just want to point out 800,000 years of this, like people living underground and they have machines. But they have no means to make light. They or didn't need? invent that. They don't need them. They're I mean, bad guys. <laughs> They're clearly the bad guys. Well, in this world, he says, of course, what he realizes is that the rich people have evolved into the upper things where they're just fat and taken care of all day. And the poor have evolved into these underground machine operators because that's what the poor do. They toil. The descendants of the coal miners. <laughs> Well, we should get to the, at the end because like he talks about socialism a lot for a ninety-page science fiction novel. There's a lot of communist socialist discussions, and he—that's kind of how he explains the world there. And I thought that was a really weird and interesting part of the book. That there's like the kind of socialist hippie monkey people on top who just like everything belongs to everyone and no one gives a shit, and it's you know whatever. And then the people who have the means of production are the bad guys, but then it turns out they're not the bad guys. Like, I, I was, it was very confusing. I wasn't really sure what his political message was, actually. It was, I wrote this paragraph down. It said, Once life and property must have reached almost absolute safety. He's talking about like how they arrived at this point. The rich had been assured of his, the rich had been assured of his wealth and comfort, the toiler assured of his life and work. No doubt in that perfect world, would there, there had been no unemployed problem, no social question left unsolved, and a great quiet followed. The rich just got to be rich. The poor got to work all the time and were never unemployed. And everybody's like, this is fucking awesome. Let's never change. This is, this is utopia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A very similar theme to um, Brave New World, but also a weird science fiction book, but definitely had that element a lot. So what I think... Wells was a socialist. Like, I think that was his political, or he certainly was interested in it. He wasn't a, like an ardent capitalist. 
There was a lot of classist stuff in this, or well, classism. Kind of any sort of Marxist view of the world. That's gonna <clears throat> and it was also, you know, Victorian-era Britain, which was like practically the most class-conscious, you know, society practically ever. Um, or at least more, even more so than today. That's what Marx and Engels studied to write the Communist Manifesto. Yeah. Engels lived in England. And he was and, the, his yeah, so father was a wealthy... Is that what Engels is short for? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was the son of a, a wealthy factory owner. And he studied the, the factory conditions, and that's led him and Marx uh, to, to uh, write their, their and, and Marx, <laughs> Marx, though, he was from uh, Prussia, or later Germany, he, you know, which later turned into Germany, he basically had to leave the country. And I think he lived in London. Uh, Pretty sure he also lived in London. I don't know. I don't know too much about his biography. And, you know, Communist Manifesto was 1849, and Das Kapital was actually 1880s, 1890s. So this a couple this, of it, volumes. I don't know if it came out in one go. Yeah, and maybe not. But it's still, that was a very pretty recent book for H.G. Wells in 1895. Oh, 1867. 67. Well, okay, still well, recent enough. to 1883 because it came out in different phases. There you go. But that was in mm-hmm. German when it came out in English. I don't know. Mm. I, don't, I don't know how, how into it Wells was. <laughs> pretty well. Fuck. <laughs> so what's happening with that? The so basically what's happening is the the Morlocks are feeding on the the Eloy. Like literally, they're they're cannibals. If you call them the same species, which okay, maybe not. But uh, though this is where the time traveler revises his you know scientific conclusions with more data, where he says, oh. They're the the Eloy, the people up in up in the fields, are basically like sheep, and they're being like herded. They're being like raised as meat for the Morlocks, who prefer to live underground. And that they, when he, you know, at first he actually has meat. This he sees Morlocks that they actually have some meat, and he's like, "Huh, I wonder where they got that." And it was, of course, obvious where they got it. Yeah, he, for a scientist, he's pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> it's like, where did they get that man-shaped cake? <laughs> he, just, he sees it. He's like, that looks really familiar, and it smells kind of like Wiener. But I don't. <laughs> this meat smells like Wiener. <laughs> also, they definitely they eat Wiener, and I mean that literally. She does. Yeah, she's like, she gets eaten, right? Well, they, yeah, he's they like get attacked. When he's like off with her, they're going to some. They're going to go. He's just giving her some piggyback rides yeah, for a while. Giving her piggyback rides because they're going to some building that's far away. Because he figures I go to that building and then I can find something I need there, like my time machine, even though it's you know right where I left it. And they along the way they get attacked by the bad things, and uh, he beats a few of them with a stick. With the lever, I think he's using the lever. It's like a like a club, and he kills one. No, and, he managed to fashion himself a club. Oh out right. Of, Something he found in the museum. Oh, I thought he steered the machine with shillelaghs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an Irish time machine. That's just called drinking. <laughs> you, just, you wake up a day later. Oh, well, holy shit, it's 10 hours later. <laughs> Beer makes us lose track of time. I saw this funny cartoon where it's like, I guess like, hey, are you still working on that mind wipe machine? And the other guy's like, yes. Is it still just a bottle of vodka? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's like, all right, well, I need to use it or something like that. I'm, I'm not doing it as well as it was phrased, but that's basically the, how the time machines worked in Ireland to this very moment, at the time of recording at least. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, so I forget exactly. He managed, so Weena dies, and then he manages to make it back to the time machine after she, she gets killed by, you know, she's un, he is unable to save her. And he makes it back. He figures out where his time machine is, plugs in his handles, and then, like, fires it up. And then, boom, he's back again. <laughs> Fires up his time machine. <laughs> yeah, right. And then brings himself back to the present day, meaning 1895. No, so first he goes even further into the future. Oh, yeah, right. Just for fun. And I don't understand. He has a fucking time machine. And he's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the year a million or something. And then I'll just go back home. I don't, I don't need to see anything well, he else. He hasn't had between. any mutton. Like he was like, I haven't eaten meat in like days. I need to fucking eat a mutton. I'm just gonna pop by home real quick. <laughs> One mutton, please. <laughs> and he goes into the future, and it's just kind of bleak. It's and a giant and crab. There's... Yeah, there's a big crab monster. <laughs> All things around. are a crab. <laughs> and that, that like Earth is dying. Like it, it, you know, the sun is too hot, or something like that, or larger. It was like getting and... closer to the Earth. Yeah. Mm, Something so this like wasn't that. His astronomy book. No, that's actually still more War of the Worlds. But he and so there's 30 million, you know, AD at this point or whatever, and he's you know Earth is dying, so he's like, oh shit, better go back. And then he goes back to 18. And there's really big butterflies too. <laughs> it's like that's what made it. As the Earth dies, it crabs and butterflies. Yeah, because those are sturdy creatures <laughs> that can survive anything. I think crabs could do it. Butterflies, nah. And they have a lifespan of like six minutes, so I, think, I guess it's possible for them to adapt it's, yeah. more, more, more handily than humans could. But there are no humans. That's kind of the interesting thing. I probably, and for this time, you know, to think about uh, what he's saying, like in the future, like, not that science fiction, was, there was much science fiction before this, but if there was any, the future was spaceships and flying shit and, and everything is better. But he pictures a future where really it's, before this there were books with spaceships and stuff. Before well, his this. other ones, at least. I mean, it kind of hinted. I mean, like, like War of the Worlds. Yeah, like the other types of science fiction things. Like you get the impression that, or I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken, but like that there are the future is going to have more impressive technological things, right? Like this is the technology, the industrial revolution. It's not going to slow true. down. It's only going to get back bigger, and we're going to go from having railroads to car, you know, cars or whatever, space trains. <laughs> Space trains, which I think is a that sounds Still like a ZZ Top album. Yeah, space horseless carriages. <laughs> but he has the and, and really the idea of like a shitty future would not ever, would not catch on again until like Star Wars, where the it's idea true. of the the future could be better in some ways, but it doesn't mean it's like clean and nice. But it's true. In, but they still have crazy advanced technology in, in Star, Star Wars, Wars. Yeah, but like when, when like you know if you think about episode well, four, uh, Star Wars was like, a long time ago. Mm. That's the past. That's true. <laughs> My point is <laughs> that if you watch like science fiction from the fifties, it's everything's like shiny tinfoil robots and spaceships, and it's like Buck Adams or whatever. And then you get to Star Rogers. Wars, and it's like, oh, uh, uh, Buck Rogers. Sorry, yeah, I think Buck Adams is a porn actor. <laughs> <I'm> entirely sure. <laughs> Sounds almost like certainly name. it is. It's totally a porn actor name. Um, just like. H.G. Swell is a porn actor. <laughs> should be a porn actor's name. H.G. <laughs> Swells. H.G. Swells, and it's for uh, huge gonads or the H and G. So um, when you get to, like uh, when they f- see the Millennium Falcon for this time, first time, Luke is like, "What a piece of junk! <laughs> like it's an old shitty spaceship." 
that's like patched together. And you could tell like Chewbacca did some of the key work and he's like, he's a dog. Like how good could he, you know? So the point is that hands is the hair in his hands caught in everything when he's doing wiring. (laughs) That's just, that's dangerous. I mean, it must be like a fire hazard at points when he's working on like a fucking jet propulsion point of the ship. It just smells like burnt hair every day in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing he still has any. When they came out of the trash compactor, you had a wet dog covered in sewage. That must have been one horrifically smelly thing. But they all smelled. They must have all smelled. But don't you think he would have been a little worse? He's also yeah. a dog. Also, his dick is always Chewy gets the first shower. <laughs> but he's got like one of those dog dicks where it's like it, it like retracts to nothing. He and just then you scoots around on the carpet red. until he's dry. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a little red thing. And then you, get, you, you touch it by accident and it pops out. <laughs> anyway, H.G. Wells invent, I think kind of invents the idea of like the future might not be better than the present. Yeah. And, and or, they, or to say it a different way, he thought his time was the pinnacle of civilization and it wouldn't actually get any better than that. And so it would sort of like plateau at that level and then just go down. He's a very bad scientist. I mean, there's no guarantee that the future is going to be better. But he, but he could have gone like a hundred years. He's like, fuck it. I'm skipping right to 800,000. I'm sure nothing important happens in that time. That's why one of the things, if you, do you see the, uh, the movie version of this with Guy Pierce, which saw is also existed. a great name for a gay porn actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have seen a uh, a really old movie version of there this. There's another one like probably 60s or something. 1940s oh, okay. or 1950s oh, version. Like sure, I there are okay. several. It, I'm it, it, I I remember seeing this a really long time ago and even to this day I still definitely when I pictured when I pictured a 1960 film, that must have been it. I mean, it was old unless so you watched the radio the, the BBC teleplay from 1949. Probably not. Oh, it that, was, that actually it was, was not recorded. Color. Yeah, there you go. So it must have been I saw the 1960 film. And I still, when I, pick, when I read this, I was still picturing the time machine the same way. I still remembered it. I've never seen that one, but I have seen, I did see the 2002 one with Guy Pierce. They added like another hour of movie. They just added shit. Like... Um, he makes... Because well, almost a, nothing he, happens, so... Yeah. He, there's like, basically in this, in that movie... It's all inspired by his his like girlfriend dies, and so he makes the time machine to try to save her. But then every time he saves her with the time machine, she dies a different way. It's kind of like Groundhog Day; <laughs> like she just <laughs> she has to die. And so then he gets eventually like, "Fuck it, I'm going to the future." And and he goes like a hundred years into the future, and people are fucking up shit, like they're colonizing the moon. And then he goes away another couple hundred years, and then they've like blown up the moon or something stupid. And then he just. I forget if he gets he falls or something like he's in this time machine. He like hits his head. It's a time boo-boo? and then it just he like falls asleep in the time machine and just keeps going and going and he wakes up to eight hundred thousand and hangs out there with uh, I don't know, a whole bunch of dumb bullshit. And then I think it was Jeremy Irons, isn't it, <laughs> as like the King Morlock? That is what Wikipedia says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeremy Irons. Was it nice? Yeah, and he's the king Morlock, but they're like bluish white. I don't they know look kind of like orcs with hair. Yeah, yeah, and they have long nails, and they're still people basically. They're just cosplaying. They're not. Not a lot of evolution has really happened, but they could jump. But really also, far. the uh, the the fruit babies are just like regular folks. They're like tribal, though, aren't they? The yeah. film was directed by Wells' great grandson Simon Wells. Well, that's probably his only qualification. 
milk yeah. that teat. Uh, was it? Who was the hot the hot girl in the future? I have no idea. I don't think anyone uh, saw this movie. It didn't. Do I want to well. say like Sienna Tandy Newman. Or New, New, uh, it's it's some. No. It's it's a, a woman Glory? who's not white. <laughs> I don't know if she's black or Hispanic or something. But Gillery, Gillery, Samantha Mumba. There it is. <laughs> I had to Google it. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't know. Who Samantha that is. Mumba is like the hot. She's like Weena, basically. I don't know. If, I don't know if they call her Weena. I really, I really, didn't. I assume they could never use that name. Oh, there it is. That would be great if she was Weena. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is. They named her. I mean, she's oh, still who, called Weena. She named Mara. Played by so a female Eloy named Mara, who essentially takes the place of Weena because they just couldn't use that name, I guess. So anyway, uh, uh, to just finish out the plot, the time traveler like puts his handle back on and then brings himself back to the present day, and then like and then goes through. You know, it's like oh, and that's how I arrived back here in time to eat mutton and drink wine with you guys. And then the sort of last chapter is sort of not written from his him just telling a story and he says and he just he found a found white flowers in his pocket that Weena had given him and then clearly he takes a day off and then jumps back in the time machine to try and rescue Weena I guess and has never seen I again. think he just goes time traveling right who wouldn't yeah it's like I could stay here and eat mutton or I can like see what's happening in not that far into the future there's gotta be some cool shit between now and then what's his name Philby right is the the guy who's kind of telling the story like the narrator of the whole thing Something he's like, like that. that. Yeah, they go into the room. He's like, "Show me the time machine." He's like, "Oh man, that's a fucking time machine. How cool!" And then I was like, "Listen, we'll talk about it in a few minutes. Let me just go make a quick trip." And he and comes then, back the next day, and he's gone, isn't it? No, he dis- He hears it. He's like, "All right, I'll wait outside in the oh, hallway yeah. and read the newspaper for <laughs> half an hour." That's that's cool. I don't need to see it leave. And then he hears like a whoosh or something, and he goes into the room, and it's empty. The time machine's gone. And the servant comes in, like, did he leave? I don't know what just happened. And they're like, oh man, he fucking actually, he traveled through time, or he has an extremely elaborate magic set. <laughs> he could make this whole thing disappear. Also, when he and came, he when he back. came back from the first time, the time machine was on the other side of the room because that's where they'd moved it in the future. Good thing they moved it within the parameters <laughs> of his house's structure. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that! Thank God, that's a load-bearing wall. It couldn't, <laughs> it couldn't move that. <laughs> it's very convenient. Like we're gonna steal this time machine, but we're gonna move it about eight feet. It's like he'll never find it, it and he really didn't. Dumb. He didn't yeah. find it. <laughs> All right, so that's the plot. Listening to us talk about it probably took about as long as it is to read the book. Yeah, it's really short. Thoughts? What's kind of interesting is that so it, it it you know this maybe wasn't the very i mean it wasn't the very first book that introduced the idea of time travel but it was probably the first book that introduced the idea of like science can make a device or a machine that or that can move you through time well that's kind of the new part cuz wouldn't uh didn't the a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court probably come out before this Mark Twain that was probably pretty I think so though the I actually time, heard that so heard a bit of it Anyway, but so maybe not, but so anyway, the idea of the device. What's kind of different about this, or more like the story of pretty much every other time travel story, is going to your either recent past to fix a mistake or going to your recent future to see how things turned out and then going back to fix a mistake, you know? So it's all about, it's a personal journey. 
affects something in your own life is usually like how every other time travel story works. But this one doesn't. He just goes, fuck it. I'm going to go to 800,000 BC. I mean, not BC, AD. AD. I'm going to go to 800,000, 801,000 AD and just see what these weird people are like and then go back. And he has like, I have have a theory of how it got like this and I have the exact machine necessary to find out if my theory is correct. But fuck it. I don't need to see it. I'm just going to go back to... 1895 for a spell. All he can see is what's happening around his house. Because he still can't travel once he gets there. He's like, well, this it's must be the whole earth. still within feet of his house in London. It just doesn't matter what time it is. Yeah, he couldn't think of, like, putting fucking wheels on that thing. <laughs> he already well, added levers. A horse to Even it. though, okay, so there are a lot of, uh, there are adaptions, adaptations or adaptions of the time machine as a movie. But it's also, like, Back to the future. You know, he really did just like put the time machine or whoever wrote the, the Back to the Future script, put the time machine in a car, but you had to go 85 miles per hour, 88, 88 miles per hour. hour, 88 miles per hour. But that, is, and that's like basically the same thing. It's got a little dial so you can see what time you are in the future or the past. And, you know, it's a lot of very similar things in terms of the machine. It's probably also levers. But the plot. But the plot is about... I, there might have been levers in there, yeah. They're probably more stick shift, maybe. You no, know, in a car. Yeah. But the plot is about your own recent past or your own recent near future rather than, you know, I'm just going to see what happens, not check out what's in between, but just what's way in the future. It's interesting to think about. I, and I guess also it's, it's not a terribly new idea uh, in 1895 to think about human evolution and to kind of project where could we go? Where is it going to go from here? That's also kind of a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I when don't was know when the origin the species? T- that's 1856. I think it's also 1849. Hmm. Big year. Very big year. Maybe 59? No, 18, 1859. 59. Okay. D- Darwin also has a book called The Descent of Man, which came out later in like the 18. 18- Ascent of Man. Ascent of Man, excuse me, which is like the 1870s. And that deals with when he basically was like, we're probably from monkeys. Go deal yep. with that, everyone. <laughs> he doesn't really come back to it. And he spent like the rest of his life thinking about locomotion and plants and some bullshit like that. So the idea that another, another thing, like part of, I think, what made and still does make evolution so controversial for some people is people think evolution is, in, is moving towards like a more perfect form of something, like a more rarefied, it's getting better, better. Yeah. But things are always just getting better. Which is not really what it is. It's getting better for its circumstances or not getting better and then you go extinct. So, you know, people people would pe- people who struggle with that who have like deep religious convictions and think like the earth was made perfect because God made it, like don't understand how that could how those you could square those two things, square that circle of of those two different things. But the idea that human beings could evolve and become something totally different is not is is not crazy to us, but was kind of a pretty bold idea, I think, in 1895. Yeah. And I think in the scale, the scale 800,000 years from now, um, well, hum- modern, anatomically modern human beings are maybe 200 or 250,000 years old. Yeah. And, but there's no like, okay, could be slightly more, could be slightly less. There's no clear line. Like, these were not modern humans and these were. It's just kind of like some arbitrary time 
right around 200,000 years ago. Right. So he's talking about a time scale for like, the entire history of human existence from mm-hmm. our earliest mo- quote unquote modern form to the present day, four times that time scale. I would be willing to bet that in 1895, they thought that oh, yeah, that, that was no a much shorter that. amount of time. They still believed in Piltdown Man. Which was, this oh, is man. where somebody that's a, that's took... a deep anthropology cut, Nate. Nice. <laughs> yeah, totally. This is where somebody basically took a, either a human's lower jaw and filed it down so it fit on a gorilla's uh, his skull, like basically, you know, like the rest of the skull, and said... Look, this is the earliest human, you know, fossil, like, and that, uh, they found it in England in Piltdown. It was meant. To, it was presented as like the missing link, is what it was. Yeah, which was which is like a thing at the time that people believe. Also, that this shows that the first people were clearly British, and that's you know, give them Queen a Elizabeth was there. Nationalist pride, yeah. Uh, and so they would have thought humans were only tens of thousands of years old, not hundreds of thousands of years old. So for eight, so eight hundred thousand years in the future would have been a lot longer. But that was a, a hoax. Like, that wasn't even, like... Under a, microsco- uh, a microscope, you can see where it was, like, filed down to fit in. I don't know exactly what they did. If, I, I can't remember how it worked. If it was a human's cranium and a chimp skull, a chimp mandible or something like that. Yeah, that was, they, they was, smushed things together. But that, they did. But also, Piltdown Man was later than this. Piltdown Man was oh, in the 1900s. Was it? I think it was the 1900s. I'm going to Google I- it. I thought it was 1897. I, I, I'm actually not totally sure when the I don't was. remember at all. It's so a could be wrong. load of horseshit. <laughs> it doesn't, it's, no one needs to know because it's stupid. Because it wasn't real. Yeah. 1912. It's just fuck under... Ah, okay, right. Well, under greatest scientific hoaxes, way up there. Oh, for sure. That and the, that and the round earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Before we uh, sum it up, I just want to... I wrote down this one line because it's honestly the best line in the entire book. And I forgot to bring it up earlier. Talking about when he made the fire in front of uh, when there are, he's with Weena. Oh, we also skip when he makes a forest fire. <laughs> he oh, like yeah. burns down the entire forest oh, with, with, with matches. Because <laughs> they have terrible forest management in the future. Very bad. Yeah. Just like well, modern day California. <laughs> right. Well, they don't have like, <laughs> apparently it wasn't a gender reveal party this time. <laughs> it might have been. It's a Weena. <laughs> Check if it has a Wena. <laughs> it does. So they're uh, he's they're all amazed by the fire constantly, and so Wena is looking at the fire that he's made at their camp, and it says, "The red tongues that went licking up my heap of wood were an altogether <laughs> new and strange thing to Wena." <laughs> it's like, does he know? He has to Crazy. know, right? <laughs> That's no, that's from he doesn't. So what HG swells? So that's a different. <laughs> that's a different. What thing. the fuck is that? That's like uh, another thing I thought was really ridiculous. At one point, he talks in, and he's telling his story, and he's like, "Oh, I must have run two miles in less than ten minutes," which is like fucking ridiculously like fast. Olympic. So five Today. minutes, five minutes mile was like the world record for quite a bit of time actually now it's closer to four minutes or no, just people, even people, just under people four. have broken no the four minute mile was broken like 75 years ago so the record for a mile is like it's obscene it's like three minutes and 49 seconds or three something like that yeah his name uh, richard uh richard banister or something like that's the guy who ran the first four minute mile yeah but i think it's roger right. banister Rod, it's something it's something like that it's some fucking yeah. some british guy actually i believe but i looked it up actually the two mile record in 1912 was nine minutes and change. So he's like, 
I also casually ran the fastest two miles ever because I thought they took my time machine. At, at this point, he is definitely <laughs> in still, my science he's clothes. Still wearing like his Victorian outfit of like a big coat, probably like knee socks and stuff, and like shoes with he buckles looks like on a him. Ste- a steampunk inventor. My <laughs> picture <laughs> definitely a top hat and like a really thick monocle. Oh yeah, or or maybe he has um like goggles that he pulls over mm, for, yeah. for time, time traveling goggles. He's got, he's got enormous pockets in his jacket for his tens of thousands of matches. He does. He only had tens of tens of tens. This is actually accurate because he <laughs> had like enough matches he had a lot, yeah. to burn down the whole forest. Now, that was something I thought of that would be a great... Holy shit. The mile record is three minutes and 43 seconds. I can barely drive a mile that fast. <laughs> that was set 21 years ago. That's kind of crazy that it has not been uh, broken in 21 years. I saw a whole documentary about a guy trying to like. It's because they started measuring it in meters, so that's why nobody does the mile anymore. Mm. The mile there are there aren't track events in mile the one mile run, but because the meter thing in in, in track meets has been going since the Olympics really started in nineteen ninety six. It's it's called the sixteen hundred, but they just informally say mile. Well, mile is what fifteen and change. Yeah, it's very close. Essentially, the same thing. But there are certainly events where you do a mile run. Yeah, I thought it was one where this, these three guys were trying to all break it, and they felt like the three best runners in the world. There, of course, I think two of them were Kenyan, and one was from somewhere near Kenya, and they were <laughs> all running South <laughs> Kenya, <laughs> <laughs> and they had like teams of people in front of them to rotate out every pace setters, once yeah. in a while because no to dr- for the sake of draft. They were breaking the wind oh. for them. And they would, these guys couldn't keep up the pace, so they would switch out, and a new guy would run in front of him every time. It was interesting. I can't remember what the fuck it was called now, but it was, uh, you can watch it for free online, but whatever it is, you have to find it, because I don't Dude, know what it's you called. you can watch everything for free online if you Google enough. Yeah. <laughs> but those guys ran really fast. Is that what it's called? Those, yeah. those guys, guys ran really, really fast. fast. <laughs> it might as, you know what? That's more memorable, clearly, than whatever they actually named it. I just thought it was really fun. Yeah, Roger Bannister, that was his name. 359.4 in 1954. You know what's interesting? He did that, and then and that was like considered, because it was almost 10 years between that and the previous record, which was four minutes and one second. That was kind of perceived as like the limit. Like no human could break that. He did that, and then within like a year, two or three other people did it. It's kind of interesting. Like once certain records, like once it's broken, people are like, oh, I guess you can do that. I just have to, you know, work work out more or something. I guess I just have to run faster. Okay. Uh, oh, that's all. I found, oh, oh shit! Yeah, I just right. run fast. <laughs> yeah, that's my I problem bad. solved. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't a mile. It was called breaking two, and it was uh, a bunch of guys or three guys trying to break the two-hour marathon record to run a marathon. You know, twenty-six miles. That's, in that's why they were Kenyan. Yeah, and I think that two of them came close. I don't know if anyone did it, but I think he did. I uh, think like the two hours and, two hours still, and three minutes. Basically, the, the official record is still over two hours, but it's it's real close. It's like two hours and two minutes, or two hours and three minutes is for an actual event. Like if you're just oh, like yeah. running your you know on a track, maybe some people have broken it, but that doesn't tend to count in here, this kind of. This guy, this guy from Kenya, did it in two hours and twenty five seconds. That's fucking ridiculous, Kenya. But the other guy was from Eritrea, Eritrea, I which don't know. is right and there. Ethiopia. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's Ethiopia like, like it's right not like that, like a little tip of uh, Ethiopia. Isn't that what that is? It's not. Yeah, it is Eritrea, mm-hmm. Eritrea. However you pronounce that country. But yeah, so I don't know. They did that. They did two hours. They uh, the slow guy did two hours and fourteen minutes. 
What a turtle. <laughs> Get off the track, <laughs> Anyway, we're uh, really getting off track. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, running marathons, I don't care very much about, but it's still more interesting than most of this book. It had some cool parts, but it was kind of like... It, it, the first probably quarter of it was dumb, but once it got going and you're kind of there, I was like, okay, I can see how this could be interesting. It's, it shows its age big time. Yeah. It's an old fucking book. The sense of pacing is totally different from what we'd expect today. And just the you way it's set up time. <laughs> the way you, <laughs> the way it's set up, as you pointed out, you know, it's, it's all, let me tell you my tale as opposed to it just happening. And even if that were the right, case yeah. in a modern it's, book, it's a stupid way to write a book. That is one big problem. Cause it's not like, cause you know, it, there'd be multiple characters who would go to the future together and then they'd have to like fight about stuff or one would be explaining to the other about what's going on. And, or and one gets like lost in time. Creates, yeah. creates conflict. Yeah. They create a paradox creates, or something. Where the, when it's told through like, I'm just going to tell the whole story and shut the fuck up while I talk. <laughs> that like you're, and you already know how it ends because clearly he's back. You sort of removes one L, uh, a, a degree of, there's, yeah, there's, there's no drama. You, called. you know he lives, and who gives a fuck about Wiener? <laughs> exactly. So I th- left my Wiener in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Wiener. <laughs> it's like well, a one book that definitely did this, though not nearly as bad, was actually Frankenstein, which is almost a hundred years older than this, um, but still. No, what is it? It's 1818, I think it was. Or there's an 1832 okay, so. or 1833 revised text, somewhere around okay, there. So 80 years older than this. But there's a part where, like, 87 you years meet older up with, you, you meet up with the, uh, it's, it's either Frankenstein's monster or older. the doctor. <laughs> or the doctor. And it's just like, they just tell their story about what's happened to them. I think it's the Frankenstein's monster. And, and he goes on for four, five, six chapters. There's no, like, the person he's telling it to doesn't interject, doesn't ask a question. There's no, like, tension. Anyway, it's not the modern way to write a novel. No. Because it's worse. Because it's worse. That's why. Mm. But uh, this was clearly the thing back in the day. You know? We can't, we can't just... He didn't make that crap up. Think of how many other old books have, like, a stupid frame. Like, what was the one in... Um, it's like, what is that? The Turn, turn of the, of the screw. screw. Exactly. Like, I've, like, I've found an old book in a drawer. But only Let after me read we, the book to you. We all told scary <laughs> stories one night, and then someone wrote down their scary story, and I'll tell you about it in a hundred pages. Hold on first, because <laughs> I need a brandy and a glass of port wine. Like, hold, what the fuck, man? Just get to it. <laughs> Shit. It's so or that element, that element of the time machine, and anything I imagine H.G. Wells wrote is going to make it really chorish for a modern reader. Partly just because he's old and writing has changed, but he's not a good writer. You know, he had inventive ideas, and I'm sure this is what we said last time too. He has inventive ideas, and he was actually in tune, or he he did actually understand the up to date science of the age and tried to incorporate that into his stories, which was. A pretty cool thing, I mean, I guess, but he's not a good writer. Who would you say was a good writer from the 1800s in terms of mm. writing in a book that's still enjoyable today just for itself, not with like, oh, the history of it's interesting or the history, it's influential. Who's a, who, who would you say has written a book in the 1800s that you could just read and enjoy? I think it's just the, the t- at that time, 
all their sentences were like long and weird and like kind of like, like, no, we don't talk like that anymore. So it just seems fucking dumb sounding to us. Like all the Jane Austen books were just like, okay, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's I think, I think she was a good writer, certainly, but it's just, she's it a better sound, writer than It doesn't this. sound like, to, like natural to us. It's just like, the words, these are all run on sentences. Part of, part of that, honestly, uh, apparently is that, they talked more or less the same way we do. People spoke in fragments and, and run-ons. But what was considered good writing was modeled on older things that were very, very the Shakespeare. High very, yeah, very, very formal-sounding structures. Nobody, even the aristocracy amongst themselves, didn't speak in those kind of long, ridiculous sentences with 800 clauses in them. But that was... It was considered... That's what you... Remember, we also talked about this with... um. With Huck Finn, right? Like, it the writing resembled the way people actually spoke, and some people were mad at that because they thought writing was supposed to represent some sort of idealized form of of speech. So there's a whole thing there, and that's like a a, a yeah. PhD dissertation worth of decoding and and unpacking that crap. But we can't hold it against. He's writing the same way everyone else in his time wrote. He has cool ideas, and and his books are short, so I don't really mind it. It was just kind of. Have we done all of them now? He has like a thousand more books, dude. No, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth is probably uh, that's his Jules Verne. I thought next most famous. That was Jules Verne. Oh, is it? Or is that Twenty Thousand Leagues? I think those are both Jules Verne. Twenty Thousand Leagues. Oh, yeah, he was go. the one who did oh, all right, the stuff yeah. about going deep into things. <laughs> Unlike that's huge H.G. Wells. Swells, dude. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, he. I'm sure oh, he wrote. Yeah, a, okay. I know H.G. Wells has a History of the World book. That's apparently oh, The Island of Doctor Moreau that he wrote. Hmm. Oh, God. I read, I read that. that, too. That's garbage. Did you know... Okay, and I just learned this from Wikipedia. H.G. Wells was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature four times? Jesus. Those are dry years, man. It was probably just like they only gave it to English people back then. Uh, no, Rabindranath uh, Tagore won it in, like, 1905. Like, it wasn't purely white guys. Who? Tagore is an Indian writer. But owned by England. Yeah... <laughs> But he's a so brown guy. Almost sort of English. <laughs> I, think yeah. he's from, I think he's Bengali, actually. But English, English language. So I literally just Googled 45 novels written in the 19th century that deserve a place in the modern bookshelf. And I've read, actually, a bunch of them, not all of them. And, but I'm looking through, like, which ones of these would I tell somebody, oh, read that. You'll love it. <laughs> and I definitely, I mean, I, not that I've read all of them, but, you know. You've read more than the ones we've done on the podcast of his, of, of uh, Wells? No, these, these are 45 books written in the 19th century. I'm oh, I'm sorry. About. I misheard so you. This, about which, which books would I recommend to somebody and say, you are going to really enjoy this book. I mean, you know, okay. Number one, it's Huckleberry Finn, actually. Uh, Little Women is number three. Ugh. Scarlet Letter is number four. Ugh. No, number Good five. Lord. Red Batch of Courage. Pride and Prejudice. Moby Dick, Turn of the Screw, Alice in Wonderland, Captain Captain Courageous. Yeah, I think it's Captain's either. Courageous, David. right? It is, yes. You're correct. That's Kipling, uh, right? I don't know David what that is. Copperfield, yep. Dracula, Emma. So I've read like half of these Flatland, books. Flatland, which I have read, actually. Flatland. I've read that too. That's what like the, the one dimensional people and the two dimensional people, right? Like Yep. Heart of Darkness, which we almost did instead of this book. We should do that. I lent to Dr. Moreau. Ivanhoe, the fucking worst book I've ever read in my entire fucking life. Jane Eyre. You know what? That's one I haven't read. It was fine. 
Actually, that's the one I'm like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Oliver Twist, first half, pretty good. <laughs> but then Time you're machine. like, please, sir, no more. <laughs> yeah. Can A I tale have two cities? No <laughs> and then once I've had, oh, Weathering Heights. I've oh, not read that. Things I haven't read. They oh, we had to they had to stick a non-white author in here. Flowers in the Mirror by Ju Chen Li, eighteen twenty-seven, China. I'm like, yeah, I'm oh, sure that was published Count right away Cristo. in England in eighteen twenty-eight. I'm sure. And then it's like Count of Monte Cristo, which is too long. Is it then, about a sandwich followed. the whole time? <laughs> yes, he's waiting for a sandwich and he's counting. <laughs> he's counting. How I'll wait many another minute. Christos he's had. I'll wait another minute. <laughs> And then it's all Russian writers, and then it's Anna Karenina, Crime oh. and Punishment, War and Peace. Fuck. Yeah. So which ones of those would I go? Definitely. You're going to absolutely love this. I can't recommend any of them, at least that I've read. Honestly, I think when I'm uh, thinking about the and I posed the question to you, not because I had an answer in mind, but I've been thinking about it too now. The book I enjoyed the most uh, of these 19th century writers was A Tale of Two Cities. And I read that when I was like 27 or something like that. And I had gotten into reading and I was really enjoy. I really enjoyed it for the history part because it's about the French Revolution. But also I just like the language of it. Um, and that has enough characters that I thought it was interesting. That one I actually, I really enjoyed. Now we've never done it on the podcast. So it, it's been many years. I'd have to reread it at this point. I pretended to read it. Oh yeah, I pretended in high school. I didn't read it. I read it as a grown up for like the first time really. And, and, and not only did you read it earlier, but we've read like 500 books since then. Oh, yeah. So you know, with our 100 books a year thing. So it's my, my perspective must have changed on even books that I read not that long ago. Books, that read, books we've done on the podcast, my perspective, I'm sure, has changed on them dramatically. Mm-hmm. You know? And on the podcast, we're at this point over 200 books, or if you count the short stories, you know. Depending when this comes out. <laughs> well, this isn't coming out until at least 2020. Uh, 2021, yep. excuse me. Ooh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, over to Into the future where Wiena is. <laughs> that's, where, that's where my Wiena is. This is for all the Wienas in the future. That's what the guy who invented uh, Viagra was like, in the future, I'll have a big Wiena for you. But for now, you just have to wait <laughs> a bit. See, Alice? It's coming. <laughs> no? You see, Alice is the other boner pill? Right, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I didn't get that. I, got I had heard that as a joke. The guy who invented it, he named it after his wife. He was like, I told you it would work. See, Alice? And that was... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're like way the hell off topic as usual. The book is fine. It's Whatever. short and stupid. If you, you, just by knowing the title, you basically know the plot. There's not much to it. I would not say you need to read this book unless you are a super f- hardcore fan of sci-fi history that you really want to like know the canon and like completion early stuff and like if if you want to understand how the genre developed yeah you should definitely read hg wells if you want to be entertained there are like probably just in the length of listening to this podcast 10 hundred a thousand uh other pot (laughs) other books published in the sci-fi sci-fi world that are more entertaining than this it's just kind of there. Are, there are a thousand better time travel books than this one. I'd almost want to read the uh, the time traveler's wife before reading this again, <laughs> <laughs> or the lake house. Was that a book too? The novelization. The novelization of the, the lake house. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Sandra Bullock said. <laughs> Another mailbox. There's no mail on Sundays. All right, so um, 
what if it's not Sunday? <laughs> but he's in the future. It's a leap year. Okay, so uh, <laughs> don't, Nate, have you seen? I don't need to ask. Nate's never seen the lake house. No, <laughs> I have a time traveling mailbox. It's, Nate. Oh my god, bad. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> and took Keanu Reeves, right? Was he the guy? Yeah, Keanu and Sandra Bullock oh, sending okay. letters to each other through a time traveling mailbox. And then she has to warn him to not get hit by a bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> climax. I, I don't think anyone's seen that since it came out, which was the 90s. It was, it was dumb, the early 2000s. It was, <laughs> all right. It was about as good as time travel as this was. N- Tell us what you thought. <laughs> Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail. I'm just, I'm just ending it. Send us an Pulling email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Did you see the Twitter thing already? Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, don't wait any longer in time or something before giving us a review or travel into the future where we have more reviews. I don't know what I'm saying. But give us a review. It really, it's really helpful uh, to us. And it, Five stars, please. Five stars. And if you're a douche who listened this long and wanted to give us one star, just don't. That'd be cool, too. Uh, and uh, head over to that Patreon if you feel like you've, you, know, you don't need enough money. You have enough money. You don't need any for the future. And... Uh, We'll take it. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Mm